It's such a great day. It's such a, oh, just, I don't know why. I woke up this morning just ready to worship, ready to come in and just invite him in. And um, I don't know, I was thinking about, you know, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the African-American gospel church where they almost start singing it as they're, as they're talking. <laughs> so I was driving in the car this morning going, do you know the guy we're singing to this morning? Do you know? Do you know? So let's stand. Let's go in with that attitude this morning. Do we know the God that we're singing to? Do we know what he has done? Do we know what he's doing every day? How big he is, how awesome he is, how in love with us he is, how much love he gives us. Do we know that this morning? Do we know that? Come on. I, I am from South Africa. So we're going to sing this song. We're going to open with this song. And it's all about letting him be our vision this morning. Amen? Let him be our vision this morning. God, we just invite your presence. Lord, we open up our hearts. Lord, we open up our posture. We, we just surrender to you this morning. We ask for your anointing. God, that as we worship you, Lord, Holy Spirit, you would come here. You would be here. You would manifest here. We long to be in your presence, communing with you. This is the day that we break bread, Lord. We, we realize what sinners we are, what we have done, and what you did to overcome. So be with us this morning. Be with us this morning. Hallelujah. See 
inside the mystery see the empty cross see the risen Savior victorious and strong no one else above him none is strong to save conquer the power of the grave on glorious my eyes 
Please be seated. The last song we sang, I Need You Every Hour, I was reminded of a friend of mine who is Iranian. And this friend of his, that they came to the Lord about the same time, and he stayed in Iran. And he um, spoke out for the gospel there, and he was arrested. And um, he spent nine years in prison. I need you every hour. In prison by himself with no family. And Amnesty International and people like that heard about this and they tried to get him free. So they held a court and they brought in um, the mullahs and everything. And they said to him, if you will deny Christ, if you will stop talking about Christ, we will let you go, and you're free to go. And his comment was, this was a man that was born Muslim, raised Muslim, a dedicated Muslim, and no longer that way. His comment was, how could I deny the one who's been with me every second, every minute, every hour of the last nine years? And... Uh, he was set free. He was later murdered, and uh, he was a martyr. Uh, so when we sing a song like that, I think of it like, I need the every hour as I'm getting ready for my algebra test, you know, or I need thee for this, but we need him. He is life. And um, so as we worship on this Sabbath morn, you have been apprehended, so just know that you're here because of him, and he sustains you, and he sustains me. Without him, there is no life, except just the grass wither and the flower fades. So, um, got a couple announcements this morning. First announcement is, thank you, Lord, for this great weather again. Yes. It's, been, it's been awesome. Um, we have been... Uh, We've been able to do this, everything, all the way through Christmas Eve, and it's been really great. The second announcement is Rhonda's going to make a mention of uh, the ladies' retreat is being planned. It's a little different. Is that on? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, men, please take your phones out. Now, I'm sure you don't have the cover that I have on my phone. I know you're all jealous, but I want you to take your phones out and open up your calendar app, okay? Because as I talk, I want you to go to it to March 26th and 27th. So this year, um, we are going to have a ladies' retreat, but it's going to be different. Last year was different because we didn't have anything, because that's when the pandemic started. This year, we're going to have a stay-at-home women's retreat. Men, the 26th. Give your wife the afternoon off because she's going to need it for the evening. She's going to need to have a lot of energy because we're going to have some fun right here in this tent on, on Friday evening. Saturday morning, we're going to have breakfast down at Doheny Beach. Um, and you don't have to get up early, ladies, because it's going to be starting at 10. And the rest of the day, we'll be having activities. 
um, or you'll be having free time and then uh, Saturday night we'll be back here again. Very important for those of you that have just started coming to Saddleback Covenant, we really do believe in relationships and if you've been coming for a while you understand that. It's very, very important that you as ladies and our high school girls are also included to come and get to know some other people. It's a wonderful time and every single year we get the same testimonies that they didn't know people that they met up at the retreat and now they have relationships. Because just in case you didn't know, relationships are the only thing we have that have eternal value. Nothing else is gonna go with us when we go to heaven. So I leave you with that, March 26th and 27th, and Lori has sent out an email for the ladies. Please sign up, and there's a sign-up sheet over there. How's Thank that? you, Rhonda. Thank you. Okay, and uh, now back by popular demand. No, this isn't Pete's coffee. No, this isn't Starbucks coffee. No, this isn't airplane coffee or freeway coffee. This is... Ladera Coffee. It's a new brand. That's good. Okay, what they're doing is they're setting you up. They're setting me up. Come up and make your announcement. <laughs> so we're the leadership team for the high school youth group. And um, you got remembered that back in December and like through winter, we did coffee cart situation after church so that we could raise money for Costa Rica. So we're happy to tell you that we're doing that again. And you can look forward to that on communion Sundays, which will be like the end of the month, um, including today, as you see it's set up over there. So yeah. Okay, so we're gonna have coffee, tea, hot chocolate, and baked goods. So come and check it out. Yeah, and unlike last time, last time we were raising money for Costa Rica, this time we are raising money for a youth group fund that's gonna go to like other local missions and anything in the future that we do as a youth group, so. Yeah, it's gonna be a whole vibe for real. You wanna stop by. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's really good to see everyone this morning. The, um, we've been um, trying to stay in the Beatitudes as much as possible and moving in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew. Those chapters are called um, the Constitution of the Kingdom of God. Those chapters are chapters that describe our behavior and our attitudes and our motives so whether you've been a Christian for a year or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, it's always important to go back and deal with that. I feel like uh, because of Mike shared last week, I thought I'd throw a bone out to Mike today. Uh, he talked about salt and light and did a great job. What I want to begin with, I wish, I, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live in such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do 
with the time given us. How many would have preferred COVID never happened? I would, you know, I mean, there's, there's some bennies. I know we've all different things, but this is the time, this is the hour that you were made for. And time, uh, I shared this in my um, update this week, just defining time. It's multifaceted. It's ever consistent. It's a constant phenomenon, human experience. Time is the great equalizer. It makes no distinction of your social status, of your ethnicity, of your wealth, or your achievements. The Latin is tempus fugit, time flies. We can't stop it, we can't slow it down, we can't eradicate it. Time is God's creation in the midst of eternity. And scripture has this verse, but as for me, as for me, would you say that with me? But as for me, I mean, I didn't hear you. Thank you. I trust in thee, O Lord. I say, thou art my God, my times, my times are in thy hands. I don't have another breath here on this planet without him. I have no goals, plans, or anything that's coming into all the stuff we do. God is so gracious because we run around like we're in control, but our times are in his hands. I talked to someone a few weeks ago that was really struggling, having lost a dear family member at the age of 17, and why? Why did God let that happen? And somebody else, some old coot, lives to be 98. Why does that happen? You know what the answer is? I don't know. But my times and his times are in thy hands. That's for God. That's God's business. Not mine. I never figured out, and no one who's tried has done that. The Greek had two words for time. One was chronos, which is chronological time, which is measuring sequential time. And another word is kairos. And that's a unique time when God does something very unique and special in your life. The day that I received Christ, for me, was not a chronos time just another day at the beach. It was God Almighty apprehended me and changed the course of my life. It was happened in a moment of time. A decision was made. I don't even know that, I don't take any credit. I'm not saying that. Something happened in time that changed all the time I live going into eternity. One moment, one second, one decision, one way, and it changes everything. Kairos. C.S. Lewis said, the future is something that everyone reaches at a rate of 60 minutes and 24 hours a day. Miss Piggy who, by the way, is in bad shape. How many heard about Miss Piggy's been kind of kicked off uh, some of the things? They don't want the kids watching Miss Piggy anymore. How many have heard that? Okay, a few of you. Well, you'll get the news later. Elmo, too, by the way, going to break your heart. And the Cookie Monster. They're all in trouble because they're not politically correct. What? I'm sorry, it's true. Uh, adults are allowed to watch it, though. 
because we can handle Miss Piggy. But Miss Piggy said this, only time can heal all a broken heart, but it also takes time to heal broken bones and legs. She's kind of a ferocious character, if you know Miss Piggy. She's, she's like that. And so time is a gift to us from God. Last time I checked, I get the same amount of time Donald Trump gets. You get the same amount of time Barack Obama gets. I get, you get the same amount of time as the president of North Korea. You get the, the same amount of time as um, um, LeBron James. Everybody gets 24 hours. No more, no less. And that 24 hours is simply, Einstein said time is an illusion, but that 24 hours is just a measure that we use that God's created within eternity on both ends. So here we are in 2021 trying to please God in our times. Amazing. Here I am, a Gentile 2,000 years later, talking about a Jew who came was a Messiah to you who believe and we're rejoicing in his great salvation. And later this morning, we're going to have communion, honoring a meal the Christian meal of the New Testament that was foreshadowed by the Passover meal. I was thinking about this. The Passover meal is still celebrated, and it was 3,500 years ago. Next time you want to do something that lasts, think about that. 3,500 years ago, was the first Passover, and it's still the Seder and everything's celebrated weekly. And then Jesus, at the close of the Old Testament, says, a new covenant I bring to you, and this is the covenant of his blood. This is the bread and the wine that we're going to eat shortly. So as we go on, as Mike talked about salt and light, the chapter, chapter 5, goes on and talks about um, that our righteousness needs to ex exceed the Pharisees or we won't see the kingdom of God. It's a warning that religion is always knocking at the door. A, a, a prescribed set of behavior that you think makes you better or holy. He said, don't do that. That's the Pharisees. They think if they jump through this hoop and this hoop and this hoop, somehow that pleases God. The same sin that Cain did in the beginning. He thought all of his works would please God. And all God wanted was a blood sacrifice of his of Abel that says, I'm not worthy to come before the throne. And God received that because there's none righteous. No, there's not one. Later in verses 21 through 23, he talks about murder. And he said, you shall not murder, but he goes further. This is the gospel that we're trying to live. He says, it's not just murder. No one here I could hardly believe. And rarely even people that aren't believers want to commit murder. But he says that's not what it's about only. It's about calling your brother a worthless idiot. Being angry with him and casting him off. He equates that to murder. So Jesus, all this stuff about grace in the New Testament, we're not under law. He goes a lot deeper if we really apply what he's asking. And then in verse 20. Um, are we having fun yet? Verse 20, uh, 
You know, Kevin, I want you to make me feel good this morning. <laughs> tickle my ears. Make me feel like I'm doing really good. I'll tickle your ears, but I don't know. I'm just telling you what Jesus said and, and what we need to be meditating on in these days. He says, if you have an offering or a gift that you want to give, but you realize your brother has ought against you, I don't want your gift. I don't want the offering. I don't want the sacrifice. I don't want it. Don't bring it to me until you get it right with your brother. But Lord, that's too uncomfortable. Besides, he will be mad anyway. He, will, he won't receive it. He'll be upset with me or she will or, or whatever. He, said. he doesn't put any qualifications on it. He says, first go get it right, then come and bring your gift or your offering before the altar. This is all in these verses. He talks about divorce. God hates divorce. He makes it clear a man leaves his wife just to leave her. There's no grace in that. I have grace for anybody here, and many of you have, whether yourselves or family members that have been gone through divorce, but it's not intended. God wants marriages to make it. God wants marriages to go through it. And so he speaks to that. And in verse 33, he talks about false promises where people are making all these things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he says, don't do that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And be obedient. And then by third, verse Chapter 5, verse 38, he said, you know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I'm going to tell you something different. I'm saying, if he slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek. If he goes one mile, go two. If you've been one mile with him. Now, this verse always hangs people up that are literal. Cooper, can I come up and smack you in the face and see if you'll hit me back? <laughs> the spirit is life. We, have a, we are allowed to, scripture is line upon line, precept upon precept. You're allowed to defend yourself. But there's a place in life where you're not being treated right. And you just have to accept that as unto the Lord. And that is turn the other cheek rather than. Someone said, I don't get forgiveness, I get even. I don't want to hang with you. And then we go to verse 43, and I'll read this. This is um, about loving our enemies. Oh, man, loving our enemies. You have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. They had heard that. By the way, this is the first time the word love is used in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's around enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Would you say that with me? Love By the way, some of you may think you don't have any enemies. God bless you. Because even if you're not an enemy to someone, what you stand for and what you represent is an enemy and a threat to them. And so he's saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
listen, some guy shacked up today with uh, somebody, do, they're just a terrible sin, they're doing drugs, whatever, they're down at the beach. It's sunny for them. And the waves are breaking for them. He's saying, I send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And in Luke, he talks about he is kind to evil and ungrateful men. Man, the bar is higher than I walk in. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? If you'll scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You stop scratching mine, I'm done. He says, don't even, uh, don't even the tax collectors do the same? And the tax collectors were the ones that were taking too much money from the Jews, pocketing some of it themselves, claiming to be Jews and giving it to the Romans. And he says, if you greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? So if I just greet, if everybody here just greets each other today, he said, you know, that's not that big a deal. It's a good thing to do. He says, but um, do not even the Gentiles do the same. And then he says, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, or we are to be perfected. Um, love your enemies. Augustine said this, that you do willingly pray for your enemy, that you are glad to do it, that you are delighted according to the inner man to obey the, the, your Lord and pray for your enemy. This shows you our goal. Now, there's just been an election. If you didn't like how the election came out and you're already praying for the president and his cabinet and you're praying for the Senate and you're praying for the House, then you're gold. He says people will do that. Um, and I looked at, I can tell in your eyes most of you are doing that fervently. Uh, some of you say, I can't wait for two years to happen, you know, next election. But, but he says, but that as soon as you begin to pray, your fleshly weakness starts opposing you. As soon as you pray for something you don't agree with, your flesh starts jumping around. It's hard for you to pray non-prejudicially. It's hard for you to pray for their welfare. You just, you just are praying to pray to say, I did it, and uh, we're going through the motions. That's what Augustine's saying. He says it's even doing that's a good thing because it's the dross separating from you. We see our impure heart when we pray for our enemy. We see something about ourselves when, we when we're not just praying for my mom and dad or my brother and sister. He also is extremely grateful for enemies. He says... You have enemies for who you can live on this earth. You can't live on this earth without them. Take heed to yourselves. Love them. Say that with me. Love them. Wow, that, that is so... Who's ever the loudest? loudest? I got a $100 bill. No, I don't. But we respond to motivation. Love them. In, in no way can an enemy hurt you so much as through violence as... He does hurt you if you don't love him. There's a guy, I don't know who he is, his name's Heinrich Heine, and he said, one should forgive one's enemies, but not before they're hanged. Um, now, I know, now some of you like that one, right? That's justice. Now, we're going to have the table this morning, 
And if we got justice, we all go to hell. But we've been saved from that because justice was struck with his son in our place. So if you love justice, just, re just remember it costs something. And now that we're part of him, we're to walk the way he is. In 1 Timothy 1.5, it says, uh, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, when you play football, it's about the end zone. That's a goal, to get to the end zone. Uh, the net, the hoop in basketball, soccer, lacrosse. Your goal is to get your GPA up so you can get into this school or that school. We all have goals, but he's saying the goal of our instruction, the goal of this word of God is love, number one, and number two, from a pure heart. Tied in with that is a good conscience as opposed to a bad conscience. And the third thing is a sincere faith. The Greek word for goal is, uh, I've said this many times, it's telos, like a telescope. And uh, I often, I, annually I get my eyes checked and you go in, all of you that wear glasses, they put that thing over your eyes and they adjust it. Clear, better, better, better. No, no, go this way, fog. I can't see it. Yeah, oh yeah, better. How's that? Oh, perfect. So he adjusts my lens just right and now it's in focus. Without that adjustment, I'm out of focus. I can't see clearly. There was a time I could, 2020, but my arms got too short. You know, I was up here speaking. I was talking like this. So God said, and uh, Dudley goes, you need glasses. I said, no, glasses are for old people. And, and um, so... The Greek word is telos. Uh, it's our focus. It's um, in a pure heart. The Greek word is katharos, where we get catharsis, so that our heart is constantly being watched. Like your kidneys clean your blood, uh, and um, if you don't, if your kidneys don't work, you have to go on dialysis. And dialysis machines do try to do what kidneys do by cleaning the blood. So a pure heart means love is working in us but our heart picks up all kinds of impurities but our goal is to walk that out having our heart washed and cleansed it takes maintenance to keep our heart right it takes maintenance to keep relationships right and marriage right it takes maintenance to get through life God uses people and circumstances to get us to that goal, like iron sharpening iron. God is love. The great commandment precedes the great commission. The great commission is to go on all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching and observe all that I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you go out doing that without love, good luck. That's terrible. But the love of God 
drives the Great Commission. And when that's operating, you, people can put up with amazing sacrifices because of the love of God working within you. In you. Where your treasure is, where your heart will be also. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Back to a, a beatitude. Love should be our goal, our motive, and our person, and our, and our reason for service. Anything short of love misses the mark. Mother Teresa said this, We can do no great things, only small things with great love. Let me say it again. We can, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. The hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. God is love. David was a man after God's own heart. Can I get an amen so I know you're breathing? Amen. But David was not a perfect man, but he was known as a man after God's own heart. He had wonderful successes. He killed the lion, the bear, um, Goliath, the Philistines. He was made king. He organized Israel. He had sons and daughters. He was wealthy. But he had some major failings. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a conspirator. He was involved in a major cover-up. And he pretended that he was innocent when he was guilty. Psalm 51, David is at the end of his rope, and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create, renew, restore, sustain. David's in a place of abject dependence upon the Lord. David was like an eastern monarch. He could look at you and have you put to death. He had that much power. He didn't have to humble himself. He could have gone on like a madman, but he lowered himself to be faithful to the Lord, a person who had sinned and now was restored. God can create in you and I a new heart. And the last, the second one is a good conscience. Our conscience is an umpire of our heart. It's our interior thermostat. The Lord washes us and cleanses and redeems us to restore us to a good conscience. Tell me if you understand what it is to have a guilty conscience. Okay. Do you know why you had one? Because you were guilty. How many people, when they're guilty, said, don't be guilty? How many have had that happen? Because guilt's a bad thing right away. Don't be guilty. Wait a minute. You're feeling guilty because you are guilty. You're feeling your conscience is bothering you because it's bothering you. But someone else, some well-meaning saint will say, oh, don't be guilty. God took care of that on the cross. It's true. But we have to deal with the guilt in an upright and clear way. Chronic guilt means we don't understand our place before God. If you are chronically dealing with guilt feelings, you don't understand the guilt offering on the cross, the one who took it all. And by revelation, you can know that. That's how we become free. Yes. And the last one I'll, I'll, I'll just move on is sincere faith. That's opposed to hypocritical faith. Does our life bear witness of what I say and believe? It's not that we have a 
perfect faith, but we have a sincere faith. And I believe that about you. I ask my question, Kevin, do I practice what I preach? How many like that standard? Or parents, don't do, don't do as I do, do as I say. The word of God is to incarnate in us. A sincere faith means moral convictions resting on the truthfulness of God and his word. An insincere faith means his ways don't have rule over our lives. So as we come to the table, I want to remind us that in this thing about enemies, in the, uh, the Latin it means enemicus, and which means um, enemy. It means like, uh, in Spanish it's enemigo, like away from friend, amigo's friend and friend away from, and in court, you pro- somebody may have heard something called an amicus brief, which means a friend of the court, but an enemy is a foe, make no doubt about it. An enemy is an adversary. An enemy has nothing in them for your welfare. An enemy may be a foreign nation, an enemy may be your next door neighbor, But whatever it is, love covers a multitude of sins, and we are to love. So as you come to the table, we, the kind of thing I'm talking about is the kind of thing that changed the world for us to love and ask God to, to give us that love for the unlovely. That as you come to the table today, that there's no person whom you haven't forgiven or won't forgive. We hold back because of pride. We hold back because we want justice for that person. We hold back because you can control a person you haven't forgiven. You can make them feel bad. You can make them feel like they've got to do something they haven't done. We can manipulate people with that. But ultimately, God calls us to choose feeling, choose obedience over any feelings we have, and love never fails. We are apprehended by the love of God. His love endures forever. We're to put it on. It's the perfect bond of unity. This morning, he will never love you more than he loves you right now. Say that with me. He will never love me more than he does right now. Even if I read the whole Bible this year (laughs) and I fast when nobody knows about it this year and I give money that nobody knows about this year, he won't love me more if I don't do any of that. But you won't be loving him more. So remember that, that his love endures forever. It's our love that waxes cold. Pat, come on up, would you, and the team. I really could have gone long on this. I don't want to because 
I know you get the message. In a way, I'm preaching myself into this place. I was with someone yesterday that stopped by. I was leaving the church, and they stopped by, and I was ready to leave. And this man and his wife and children were there, and they, some, they got the church. I ended up spending a couple of hours I didn't want to spend. I wanted to go home and watch reruns of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> he stole two hours from me. Then I said, I can't. But I can't live, I couldn't live with all this talk about people. And we were, I was able to help them and get them on their way, talk to them. Um, I was trying to talk him into being authentic because he was a person who knew the Christian lingo. It's hard to find authentic people. But when you do, they're the real deal. So as we break bread this morning. I'm going to ask Bill to come up with me. Bill Malstead. Come on up. I said, I asked Bill to come up and he just kept nodding. I said, oh, come up. Isn't he handsome? Um, so, you know the story. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered for the in the upper room, they were going to have Passover. A lot happened that night. I mean, prior to the meal, or maybe right afterwards, he, prior to the meal, he got out and he washed their feet. Peter didn't want to have anything to do with it because he said, I'm, and he said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. That was Peter's pride. Like, God wants to get into the he says, you're clean, but not all of you, meaning our feet sometimes take us places and we say things and do things that we know aren't right, but we get washed. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So that night he also did John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, talking about the vine and the branches and the Holy Spirit and his return. And they didn't know where he was going. Where are you going? And he's saying, have you been with me so long you don't get it? And they didn't, but he goes through all of that, and then he gets. Then they have communion. They have this meal that he longed. So, Bill, would you bring up the bread to me? Um, he said, "This is my body, which is given for you." And he says to eat it. And in the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's his blood shed for us for the remission of sins. Now, I don't know about you, but when I came this morning, my feet had dust on them. My heart had dust on it. And just a little deal between you and the Lord this morning Lord, help me for losing my temper. Lord, help me for being a brat. Lord, help me for not listening. Help me, Lord, just help me. So if, as Pat starts playing, and I'm going to have the ushers come to, or not the ushers, excuse me. We're going to have um, it set up at the table here and here, and you can get uh, the elements, the bread and the wine. No one has touched the bread with their hands. 
Everything's hermetically sealed. No fear of that. And uh, so we'll have communion. And let's just let Pat play and the worship team play. Let the Holy Spirit work in us as we eat and drink. You can eat and drink when you're served.
So we're getting ready to go out for another week of victory after victory after victory in him. Um, I'm asked Bo to do the benediction. Bo has had three kids in three years. So he's an expert now in parenting, or Katie is. 
but he hasn't been able to, he hasn't been here as often because of the babies and all that's going on, but so good to see him. And uh, when was the last, what was the last one? What a month ago. A month ago, the last one. So the, are you expecting now? <laughs> <laughs> no. Here's the time. Next year. All right. It's off the record. I'm sorry. <laughs> Katie's not here today. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for first and foremost for laughter in this church and community, Lord, that we have a place to just open up like this, God, in a tent where it's 75 degrees, Lord, and we're not iced up and snowed up lord jesus but this is so awesome to be able to be here god we just um we just thank you for this nation we ask that you be with our leadership lord no matter who or what side we're with lord jesus we would be above that and be on your kingdom side jesus so we just ask wisdom and discretion that your holy spirit would go upon the white house and the administration jesus god we just thank you for this day and thank you for this week god we just uh, ask blessings and protection over this congregation and protection over Kevin and his leadership as well, Jesus. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.